Father, thank you for your spirit here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories of the early church and how they inspire us and lift our eyes to what is possible with you. And we pray that you'd inspire us this morning through your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are finishing our series this morning. The church that we're becoming as we travel through the early chapters of the book of Acts uh, as the model of what a church moving in the power of the Spirit really looks like. And um, we thought about a number of different things. We thought about being a Spirit-led church, that we want to be a church that is dependent on the Spirit in all things. And we're learning how to host more of the Spirit uh, here at Holy Trinity. We thought about being a community that when the Spirit comes on a group of people, it brings unity, it brings a diverse group of people together for one purpose. We thought about being a prayerful church, a church with prayer uh, at the priority and center of all that we do, knowing that we don't move in our own strength, but in God's strength. Last week, Lydia spoke uh, about being a generous church, one of the marks of the early church as the Spirit came on them, that they had this extraordinary generosity and they gave uh, away what they had themselves to others. And today we're thinking about being courageous. One of the marks of the early church is that they were courageous. And I believe God is asking us to be people of courage this morning. But what does it mean to be courageous? Here's a dictionary definition of courage. It's the ability to do something that frightens one. And here's another definition, which is interesting. Strength in the face of pain or grief. And there are times in life where we could all do with a bit more courage, isn't there? We talk about Dutch courage, uh, for example. Uh, Maybe it's asking that girl or guy uh, out that we feel a bit nervous about. It took me three years to pluck up the courage to ask Lydia for a coffee. Uh, We were in a small group together at a church in London, and, you know, we'd become friends. But it can feel scary, can't it, to cross that line, to actually be vulnerable and say, you know, how about a coffee, just uh, you, and, you and me? So it took me three years to pluck up the courage. Uh, or we need courage to overcome a phobia that we have. Uh, I remember going on a high ropes course with a friend who had uh, a fear of heights. So that was an interesting one. And I had to try and uh, put courage in him and talk him through this high ropes course. Uh, We need courage when we're doing something new, because new things can often seem scary. They can seem both exciting and they can seem scary at the same time, can't they? Whether that's a new job or moving house or signing up for a half marathon, if you've never done that before. We all need courage in life, because at times we feel fearful. We come up against things that make us feel scared. And it's as if we're running a race. And fear is what wants to trip us up. Fear is what wants to get in our way, to not allow us to live the kind of life that we want to live, to do what God's calling us to do. And so we need courage to be able to overcome our fears in life and not be held back by them. And so I wonder where you might need courage this morning. What in your race, in your lane, feels kind of scary. Maybe it's uh, an intimidating boss that we're working with in our workplace. Maybe it's a health diagnosis that we're battling with. Maybe it's the 
bill at the end of the month. I don't know what it is for you, but there'll be something where we're thinking, gosh, this seems kind of big. Can I really overcome it? That makes us feel a little bit uh, afraid. And the Lord would say this morning that you can do it, and he wants to give you his courage. And you know, courage is essential for following Jesus, because Jesus has a habit of always inviting us into things that feel a little bit scary. If you want a comfortable life, someone once said to me, don't be a follower of Jesus, because he's not interested in offering us a comfortable life or a safe life, but he is interested in us living a fruitful life and a free life and a life in all its fullness. Jesus has the habit of doing things like giving us a nudge when we might have an opportunity to speak about our faith to a neighbor or friend or colleague that can feel scary. He has the uh, kind of trait of encouraging us to serve perhaps in a new ministry that we've never done before. We need courage for that, to do something that feels daunting. Maybe there's a ministry that you feel prompted to uh, help lead or be involved with here at Holy Trinity. He asks us to give our money financially, and that makes us feel vulnerable. He encourages us to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. So life with Jesus is always an adventure. It's not safe, but it is good. I love the way that the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, book puts it, speaking of Aslan. Uh, and uh, it says this, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I'd feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he is good. And so when we do life with God, he is calling us into places that feel kind of scary. He's asking us to walk by faith and not by sight, without guarantees a lot of the time. And so just like the early church, he's calling us to walk with courage. And so, as we look at this early church, it is extraordinary, the kind of courage that they showed. They were known for their courage, and there's none more, uh, there's no story in the book of Acts that shows the courage more than this story, which is why we read it this morning. And it was quite a long one, so I'll forgive you if you didn't catch it all, but do turn to Acts chapter 5 uh, in your Bible, starting at verse 17, if you want to follow along. And the context is just the little bit before where the apostles have been creating a scene in Jerusalem. They've been moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. They've been healing many. We're told there are lots of signs and wonders. They've gathered this crowd, and the Jewish authorities have tried to shut them down, and so they've imprisoned them. And um, as they were in prison, what happens? An angel of the Lord comes and frees them and says, you are to go and speak this message of life. And so, you know, at that point, they've been put in prison. They felt the force of the uh, authorities, they might be tempted to kind of, you know, have a cup of tea or something and just relax and keep a low profile, but they go out again and they preach at the temple. And so they're preaching at the temple and um, the authorities are amazed at what happened. How did they escape from prison? What is going on? 
that are called to the, uh, to the high officer. And uh, Peter preaches, essentially, to the Pharisees and says, we must obey God rather than human authority, verse 29. And then he preaches about Jesus. And the high council was furious. They decide they want to kill them. A chap called Gamaliel says, don't do that. Uh, if, it's, if it's not right, if God's not behind it, it will die out anyway. So they don't do that, but they're flogged. And then what do they do after that? They go out and they preach again uh, at the temple. They keep on going. How come they were able to be so courageous? W- what happened to these people to allow them to do that? I don't think it's that they weren't scared because courage isn't the absence of fear, but they had this courage from God. And there were three things in particular that I want to bring for us this morning, that we might be people of courage too, that we might run the race set out for us and not be held back by fear. And the first thing I notice is this, they spent time with the risen Jesus. And when we spend time with Jesus, it puts courage in us. One of my favorite verses in the book of Acts, Acts 4.13, and it's a very similar story just before Peter and John have been healing, they've been speaking about Jesus, they're arrested, and this is what it says of those Jewish leaders. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, and they were astonished, Uh, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. That was the difference. When I was uh, really young and growing up, my favorite superhero was Superman. I don't know if you had a favorite superhero when you grew up, but Superman was mine. And I remember being uh, eight years old, going on holiday to the Isle of Wight, and my parents got me a full Superman costume, and I thought it was the best thing in the world. And we went to uh, a place called The Needles, um, and uh, they've, they've got a kind of, um, what do you call them, like a chairlift at the Needles. And I remember that was like a regular trip for us as a family, going in my Superman costume, trying to jump off rocks. Unfortunately, the costume didn't actually work. I couldn't really fly, but I thought I could at the time. And uh, I absolutely loved it. I wanted to be Superman when I was eight. And then when I got a bit older, um, I got more into Spider-Man. They had a few good Spider-Man movies that come out. I remember having a Spider-Man poster on my, my wall. I think at some point in there, I must have had uh, an Action Man as well. And I definitely remember playing with some Power Rangers figures too. Why do I say this? It's something that fascinates us, isn't there, about superheroes. Perhaps it's because they're different to us. They some, somehow symbolize what we want to be. They um, are able to do life without the pesky, pesky constraints of the laws of nature or simply being human. There's something different about them, and that kind of intrigues us and attracts us. And as we read the stories of the early church, We can read them a little bit like that, that they're these kind of different type of person to us, that they're kind of like these spiritual superheroes. And it it puts a difference between us and them. I can never be like them. It's a different time. They're a different type of person. What relevance does that have to me here in South East London? But if we look closely, we see that's not true. 
These were ordinary people like you and me with ordinary emotions and typical jobs and families for their time. And yet, one of the things that put this extraordinary courage that we see in this story into these ordinary people is that they'd spent time with the resurrected Jesus. They'd had those few weeks when Jesus had risen again and they spent time with him. We know that the disciples felt fear. We know that actually, deep down, they were probably like you and me. And, and at the cross, they retreated. Peter denied knowing Jesus. The male disciples were useless at the cross and completely abandoned Jesus because they were fearful for their own lives. They experienced fear. And yet, after the resurrection, they were transformed. John Stott, the theologian and pastor, remarks that it's the transformation of the disciples is probably one of the biggest pieces of evidence that Jesus rose from the dead for the courage that they showed. So I think a lesson for us to take hold of is the more that we spend time with Jesus, the more courageous we will be. Yet life can be so busy, can't it? And it's easy for us to let other things get in the way, the busyness of our schedules, uh, perhaps more tangible things to put our minds to. We wake up in the morning and it's easy to turn to our news apps or our emails or WhatsApp or Instagram or whatever else it might be. We can turn on the TV, we can get the radio, we can got this chore or that chore. Life can get so busy, and so unless we're intentional about spending time with Jesus, it just falls away. But you know, the more we look at Jesus, the more courageous we'll be. The more time we spend with the Lord, the bigger our vision of the Lord will become, and the smaller those hurdles and problems will seem. I love the words of the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I wonder if for those first followers of Jesus, yes, the oppression or the opposition that they felt was huge. Yes, they were scared for their life. But you know what was bigger was Jesus and their view of God. And they knew his power, his love, and his grace and that compelled them and gave them courage to keep on going. Jesus is always inviting us to come and be with him. Whatever you might be facing today, whatever questions that you carry, however foggy the future might seem, Jesus wants to say to you, come and be with me. Start with me. And as I was preparing for this morning, I had this image of uh, a fog and it was like a park, there's a pathway in the park, but it was foggy, and you couldn't see the way forward. And I felt like there might be people here who feel like that's what the future looks like for them. They can't see the way forward. And Jesus would say, just start by coming and being with me. Just start by coming and being with me, and then I will lead you through step by step. That's what Jesus said to the disciples, first of all, come, come follow me, just spend time with me. And trust me that I will lead you through whatever that fog might be. So how could you make time for Jesus this week? Maybe there's a bit of time that's been saved because we're not commuting to the office 
so often. Perhaps that could be a time to simply open the Bible and read a passage and pray. Very simply, the weather will get nicer. I can encourage you with that this morning. The weather will get nicer, and maybe there's an opportunity to go for a walk around a local park and just ask the Lord to be with you as you do that, just to make time to be with him. One of the things that I do if it's a particularly busy day is um, I use an app called Lectio 365. Uh, It's just 10 minutes that helps us walk through a, a passage and pray. Just put it on, you can listen to it. And I drop off Tilly at her nursery and then I put that on on the way back. And if nothing else, at least I've had 10 minutes with the Lord that morning. What might it be for you? They spent time with Jesus and it gave them courage. And then the second thing I notice about the apostles is that they had confidence in their calling. They took hold of their purpose They were confident in what God had asked them to do, and that gave them courage to step into it. Jesus, right at the beginning of uh, Acts, just before Jesus ascends, he gives his followers, uh, and by by, uh, kind of connection, us a, a calling, a mission to go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the world. In other words, everywhere. You're to go and to spread the kingdom of God, continue what I've been doing, to spread this message about Jesus. But, you know, as they came up with opposition, as things got difficult, I'd imagine they were tempted to think, well, is this really right? You know, this doesn't seem to be working. This is hard. Just like any of us, if we feel like we want to do something, but we come up against challenge, it can be tempted just to take a step back and to retreat and think, oh, maybe I'll just do something else, because this feels difficult. And so... I think the Lord sent that angel to put courage in them, to encourage them with the calling that he had originally given them. And I love the words that the angel tells them in prison. Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. It's a reminder of their calling to share the good news of Jesus And that's exactly what they do. They keep on going back to the temple. They're like a dog with a bone. They just just can't stop because they've got confidence in the calling that Jesus has given them. And I love that encouragement. Give the people this message of life. Jesus is all about bringing new life. We have an amazing message to bring to a world that is confused and needs to know the message of life and hope particularly at the moment with all that's going on. And here at Holy Trinity, we see God bringing new life all the time, big things and small things. There's a lovely story last week of a lady who received healing of her shoulder. Prophetic word was given. Someone had pain in their shoulder. She came to the front. There was no one around to pray for her. She put her hand on her own shoulder, and she received healing. Jesus is bringing new life. There was a a story of God moving in one of our local estates in Sydenham, a youth worker there, uh, and he saw or thought gang violence was going to take place, and yet with the presence of God there, there was peace. God is bringing new life. There was a story of someone starting a new business and knowing God's provision in that, following their hopes and dreams. We've got new ministries starting and popping up. New life is popping up. It's like Spring is outside, but spring is in the church as well. And this message of life is not meant to be just for 
ourselves, whoever we are, whatever our gifting or personality type, we are all given a new purpose as we become followers of Jesus. You know, many people spend a lot of time worrying about purpose and life. What's my purpose? What am I meant to be doing? In Jesus, we all have this new purpose, not to live for ourselves, but to live for the kingdom of God. And there's theologians talk about a general calling that we all have as Christians, and then amongst that and within that, maybe we find a specific calling. But if we don't quite know what our specific calling is just yet, then here's my advice. Start with a general calling to help people know this message of life, to live lives that reflect Jesus. How could we join in with that? Part of what we're doing here at HD is creating bridges into our local community that people might come to know faith in an easy and accessible way through relationship, through a, a, a mums and babies group, through a social group midweek, perhaps for seniors. There's been talk of a, a dance group starting, five-a-side football. The list could go on. Maybe there's some passion that we have that we can invite people into. Or maybe it's taking that step of faith, that courageous step to share our faith in some way this week. Maybe there's a colleague or a neighbor that we know struggling. We could offer to pray for them. Maybe there's someone we could text and encourage, put courage into them through our words. Maybe there's someone we know who's just struggling at the moment. So the early disciples, they spent time with Jesus and they took hold of their purpose, their calling. And that's our calling as well, to spread this message of life. And then the final difference as I come into land is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Surprise, surprise. It's a kind of ongoing theme, isn't it, as we look through the book of Acts. But just a chapter earlier, we were looking at a few weeks ago, the believers prayed for courage. Peter and John themselves had been uh, under opposition They've been put in prison. They've been persecuted. They gather back with the church and they pray this prayer. Acts 4 verse 29. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And then we're told, verse 31 of chapter 4, that after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage, that allows us to do the things that in our own strength we cannot do. As Paul writes to his nervous young protege, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, self-discipline. In other words, courage. And um, I really noticed this when I was um, in sixth form at school. I just experienced the Holy Spirit, the feeling of the Holy Spirit for the first time, the summer before sixth form. And I found myself doing things that I wouldn't normally or haven't, wouldn't have done without that. So I wouldn't do kind of on my own as an introverted teenager. Uh, and so I, I remember um, that summer going to a conference, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having quite a profound experience of God's love and, and power. And then it, it came out in, in different ways. And I remember um, being on a train ride to see a friend, and I just started talking to the person next to me on the train about Jesus. Well, I would never would have done that if it wasn't for God with me, the, the Holy Spirit. I remember sharing my faith with, you know, the cool kids at school and uh, talking to them about what it meant to me, inviting them along to Alpha, 
And some of them came, but I never would have done that if it hadn't been through the Holy Spirit. And as we go into this week, there may be challenges, there may be things that feel frightening or scary for us, or even just a sense of keeping on going, doing what we know God is asking us to do. And we can ask the Spirit to come and empower us. So how can we feed courage and overcome fear? Spend time with Jesus. Take hold of your purpose and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen.